This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. It's humid, sweaty, and sticky. Summer can be really uncomfortable. But we're actually talking about your mattress. Don't worry, though. Nectar's Nectar Tech cooling technology helps you sleep cool on hot summer nights. Plus, every mattress includes a one-year trial, forever warranty, and free shipping. With $200 off, prices start at only $399. And get $499 of premium accessories, including pillows, sheets, and a mattress protector this summer. So chill out and visit Nectarsleep.com. So what was your favourite part of the holidays? Really? You sure? Okay. And uh, Disneyland? You uh, you liked that? When we went there? It was okay. Okay. <laughs> and uh, Vietnam with the snorkeling and the helicopter ride. The no. The vast landscapes of wondrous scenery didn't do it for you. No. Your favourite thing was. Radio Wolfgang. Huh. What's that? The app. You really like the Radio Wolfgang app? Huh. Okay. Cool. And the hotel? No, that wasn't your favourite. Still, yeah. That's. It's just. You're only five years old. You sure Radio Wolfgang was your favourite thing? And getting ice cream. Right. The Radio Wolfgang app and ice cream. Great. Good summer. Our superbook this episode is about Ibiza, but probably not the Ibiza you're thinking of. Forget super clubs forget superstar djs forget vip rooms because we're going to ibiza before all of that the paula's ibiza the book is a celebration of 30 years of life on the island as it went from remote hippie paradise to global party central It's all about a fashion boutique which opened in the mid-70s in Ibiza town's Calais de la Virgin. It's 300 pages of incredible costumes and hippie living and the most amazing parties, and it's all in this book. The shop was called Paula's after the daughter of the owner, Armin Heinemann, and the story of Paula's Ibiza is really his story. My name is Armin Heinemann. I am German-born and came here to Ibiza when I was 30 years old. That was in 1972. 
and since then I'm living here. What made me come to Ibiza was purely private reasons. I was an architect at that time. I did my architect studies and worked as an architect, uh, getting ready for a straight um, German business life. I just had a normal life, marriage life in the 60s with much fighting. And at the end, I just ran away. It got all too heavy for me. And I took my two children and came with them to Ibiza. At this time, people were congregating on Ibiza from all over the world, drawn by the island's reputation as a place of peace and freedom. And when Armin heard about Ibiza in a Cologne bar, he made his decision to move there. I left overnight. So, and then in one hour, I had packed my children, my things, and I was in the car, and I was only quiet and a little bit peaceful when I was over the border and was in France. The children was one year and a half and two years and a half. They was not aware of anything was was happening. They was uh, happy like pig and shit uh, playing in the back of the car. And then I was running, going down, 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 until I landed in Barcelona. There was the sun, there was the ramblers in Barcelona, and the people was all in the street, and I didn't understand anything, but it was all uh, beautiful. Armin wasn't the only person looking to escape. During Franco's reign, Ibiza had become a haven for many Spanish artists and liberal thinkers. So while some, like Armin, were looking for personal freedom, others were seeking political freedom. Alfredo Fiorito, a young journalist from Argentina, left his home country to escape the military dictatorship. Argentina became um, a very frustrated society, full of repression and not freedom at all. We decided with my ex-wife to leave the country because people around me was disappearing and um, made me think that maybe I would disappear also. Part of the attraction of the island was its remoteness. At those times, the island of Ibiza was only connected to Europe by one ship a week. That's Helga Sittel, a freelance journalist whose beautiful black and white photos feature in the book. Although she lived in Germany, she was drawn back to the island every year to document the emerging scene. And this ship needed one night from Barcelona to Ibiza, one whole night. The, the very day when, when the ship arrived, all the people of Ibiza went to the harbour and looked who was coming. We arrived at 12 in midday at Ibiza harbour. Uh, we met this cosmopolitan crowd there. We met friends and we make friends in, uh, in uh, half an hour. It was an, an ambience of freedom and peaceful and, and happiness. <laughs> and then I took the boat over to Ibiza and there I was. And I looked for a place to stay. I spent the day with the children at the beach. In the evening they were tired. I left them in the hotel alone in the room. And I went out into Ibiza to see what I could do. 
then I went to the bar. I wanted to tell everybody how horrible my life was and how many problems I had. And everybody was listening to me, and then they started telling me their horrible life and their problems, and then we were drinking one drink after the other, and at the end we were all drunk and uh, seeing that we had all the same problems, but nobody could solve them. It was a very international crowd there, and we were all young. We all was running away from something, from parents, from school, from jobs, from the state. Family situations, love situations, uh, unhappy situations. It was like to, to be surrounded by the black sheep of every little town or big town in, in the world. <laughs> So we was all trying to find a new way to be together and live together. And it became like a community, which was a very nice people. It was a very supportive mini society. Everybody tried to help each other. And uh, we, we make it. <laughs> we, we got a very funny life. We was all here trying to do something new, and we did. I could take care of my children in a simple, simple farmhouse in the country with um, no electricity and no running water. It was something new for me. I came from a town in Argentina and then in that one million people town and complicated life. We rent a house in the mountains. To get the water, we have to, to use a pump. We heat the house with wood. Then we have to go and cut the wood in the, in the forest. Imagine that there was no telephones, no TV, no videos, no nothing. That's what I think is a simple life. It was not easy. But it was much more fun. <laughs> I don't think I've been living a very rich life in money terms, but I've been living a very rich life in every other way. I haven't been a hippie at all. In Germany, I, I didn't know anything much about hippies. But then everything changed when I came, dropped here into the hippie life in Ibiza and smoked my first joints and got into all that different way. And it saved me. For Armin, coming to Ibiza meant building a whole new life from scratch. When I came first to Ibiza, I uh, had nothing. My uh, social life was destroyed. My life as an architect was destroyed. My language was destroyed because I couldn't speak German here. And I had no luggage and I had my two children there. It was on the base of nothing and on the base of destruction. And that was uh, my life anyways, because I was born in the middle of the war in Germany. So my first impression of life when I opened my eyes as a baby was destruction and uh, war and bombs. 
everybody in my young life, they was all speaking about the war and about all the sons that they lost and all the husbands that they lost and of all the people that died and all the people that they can't find anymore and all their houses that got bombed. My playground was the ruins of the war. I was playing with the other kids in the falling down uh, houses in the ruins. So um, my starting point was the destruction. So that's what I lived. When I came here, I learned uh, to be creative on the base of this destruction and had my two children on my lap. They had to be cleaned and they had to give food to. So I had to see what do I do? How do I do it? When he got to the island in 1972, Armin had no intention of opening a shop. It all happened through a chance encounter. I met somebody in the street. He absolutely wanted to sell me the shop. And I didn't want to have anything to do with the shop. I wanted to work as an architect. He got me in that shop and gave me one joint after the other and went down so much with the price that at the end I just said, okay, I buy it. And then we started a little boutique and that's how my life started. They had this fabulous uh, shop which was like a uh, miracle cave, I would say. It was a kind of Chinese market. It was every kind of things in the shops. Pictures, figures, furniture, clothes, mirrors every kind of things. The name of the shop, that is my children. Um, my, my daughter is called Paula, and my son is called Moritz, and Paula called him Mopitz. So the brand was Paula and Mopitz. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. And the shop was called Paula's. When you talk about Paula's, the book, you just have to talk about Paula's, the clothes. It's full of clothes. It is really like, and I, I'm going to say this, although I don't like this particular analogy, it's like diving into a dressing-up box. It's like Karl Lagerfeld's 70s Chloe. It's like Galliano's Dior shows. It's like everything Voyage, if you ever heard of them. It's like everything they ever did. It's like the Harry Potter costume department. He had no limits. So the whole book is abundant with a certain type of patterned, theatrical, layered, just rich clothing. The whole shop got a style, hippie chic, I think. I think it was the first hippie chic place I've seen in my life. We became very famous for uh, colorful, uh, creative um, pa patterns of material. And from that, we made um, beautiful dresses that was fitting in the taste of the time and that everybody seemed to like. And they all came and wanted to buy them. We had very nice, good seamstresses. 
they help me in the creation of new things because uh, sometimes when I told them I want this material to use in that way and that way, they took it the wrong way around and the skirt was longer in the back than in the front and I said, beautiful, let's do it. I started with an architectural mind to make a drawing and to construct a uh, dress like uh, you can construct a house but the dress is more uh, soft so you can play around with it and what comes out of it um, does not have so many conditions like a house how the technique is, how uh, many square meters is, how uh, the engineer work is, how long it will last, all these kind of things. It's just a, um, a beautiful dress and you put it on a girl and she loves it and she's happy. I enjoyed to make beautiful things and put them on people and see that the people were happy. That was my enjoyment. These uh, creations were quite expensive. They were really expensive. This was the best place for the best dresses. I bought a dress from them, and that was the most beautiful dress I ever had in my life. And I still have it. Very soon, Armin's path crossed with that of Stuart Rudnick, a young American. Then I said that I need somebody to help me uh, be in the shop because I had the two children to take care of. Uh, I met a steward and he um, came into the shop and he actually um, started all that dealing with the public. And at the beginning, I was doing all the uh, creation for the uh, dresses and the material. And he was doing the creation of decorating the shop. Sometimes I went there just to look at this uh, shop window because they did had fantastic ideas. Everything so very special that you can hardly describe it. Word of Paula's Ibiza began to spread. Paula's was a shop, but it wasn't just a shop because it was so small and yet so magical. Even the tiny window display, which is less than like a metre squared, even that would become a major tourist attraction in its own right. Then when uh, we got a little bit more famous, uh, yes, we had many uh, famous people and uh, also from England, uh, Freddie Mercury and boy George. We worked with that fame and with that attraction and we put a red cord in front of the shop. And if somebody was wanting to come in, Stuart said, you cannot come in now because we are very busy. Even though there was nobody in the shop, you have to come back in 20 minutes. And like this, we was building up uh, quite some little bit of an elitary fame and uh, it made the whole story very attractive. Of course, many people wanted to come and hang out and say hello. If they was freaky enough, it was okay. If they was not freaky, then uh, we made a fast decision. Either you buy something or you leave. Armin and Stuart didn't just use flowery fabric to make the dresses. 
Flowers were everywhere. This made the Paula's brand instantly recognizable. We had flowers on the wallpaper. We had uh, material with flowers that we was gluing to the ceiling. And we had flowers all decorated, real flowers all decorated all over in the shop. So when they weren't selling dresses, creating incredible window installations or mingling with international celebrities, they were out having fun. Many of the big hits were to be heard at first on Ibiza. Donna Summer, for instance. Alfredo began DJing at small clubs across the island. Pasha, Amnesia, both of which grew into legendary venues. Today, DJ Alfredo is himself an Ibiza legend. But he was there from the very beginning. I don't remember every, every night, but I can tell you that every night was wonderful. Fulfilled my expectations. And my expectations were very high. <laughs> They had these very big discos after a while, not in buildings, under the sky. We keep it simple in a way that we never got a massive sound system or an incredible light show. We never got private areas. We never got a very expensive prices. The roof were the sky, and we've been watching the sunrise every night. And the, the closing days or the opening nights were till four o'clock in the afternoon. That now is nothing, nothing out of the blue, but at the times was something very impressive. And while the party scene was developing on the island, so was its fashion. Paula's catwalk shows were a must-see spectacle, sometimes staged in nightclubs, sometimes taking the small, sleepy streets by storm. They attracted huge crowds wherever they were. Helga Sittel remembers taking photographs at one of Paula's impromptu street carnivals. I mean, uh, he hired a big truck for furniture or something and uh, there this was his wardrobe and also the models which were no professional models just friends dutiful friends which were all living on the island and then with all these wonderful wonderful dresses they dressed inside of this truck and then they walked on the street to show the press and the people stood around and all the children were jumping a big crowd then because everybody stayed and looked what's that now they were all good to photograph this is like a movie Paula's Ibiza was so much more than a shop, and the book captures the whole spirit of Ibiza in the 70s. But things were changing. How Ibiza changed over the years. 
Well, it changed from a uh, island that where you could live with a simple life in the country with not much money. It changed into a very chic and very commercial place. So many changes. From a little island that was having a simple, peaceful and lovely life, we became to an island that is overpopulated, have much more cars that can hold, loads of construction, from discotheques without a private area to discotheques that have 10 private areas and private of a private area. The people that came to Ibiza changed a lot. It's becoming more rich, in a way. It's a different atmosphere, 100% uh, selfie, uh, and people watching drinking champagne. Those who knew Ibiza and Formentera in the 60s and 70s and 80s, they would not go there today. Because if you knew how incredibly beautiful this was at old times, you cannot be happy to see how it is today. The, the shop closed in 2000. We didn't want to do that anymore. I felt very, very sorry. Because they, they closed it, because they, they didn't have the clients they were used to. The clients uh, from today, they are like everywhere, people with jeans and, and T-shirts. So there's nothing to say. Boring, ugly, is my opinion. <laughs> That's not worth to photograph. Armin and Stuart, they still work together under the brand name Paula's Ibiza, although the shop closed down more than a decade ago. Now they've turned their attention to interior design projects and producing opera in Ibiza. I'm still living in my house in the country without any electricity and without any running water, without no bathroom. The most important thing in life is to live spiritually and to live artistic. That's what it came to. And that was only possible because I got into that hippie life here in Ibiza. But that doesn't mean that you can repeat that same hippie life. The times are over, that was a last century. Paula's Ibiza is a superbook, that's for sure. What makes it so extraordinary as a fashion reference is that it has been compiled with little reference and like zero deference to fashion history. It's all new. Everything is documented, by which I mean the creation of the clothes, the display of the clothes, the purchase of the clothes, wearing of the clothes, to the events. It's a life of clothes. Costumes for a party without end. 
Superbooks was brought to you by the team at Radio Wolfgang, authored by myself, David Owen, featuring Armin Heinemann with Alfredo Fiorito and Helga Sittel. Executive produced by Ellie DiMartino and Harry Watson. Produced and edited by Olivia Humphreys and Claire Crofton. Researched by Phoebe Henry. And sound designed by Ivor Manley. <laughs>